If you would um, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, uh, this morning we are considering a, a passage uh, associated with, of course, this being Palm Sunday. Uh, we're going to look at verses 9 through uh, 19. First, we will pray, then we'll read the passage, and then make observations and some applications. So would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we come to your scripture this morning in humble dependence upon God the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth about God the Son to the praise of your glorious grace. We ask that Jesus Christ crucified would be the focus of all who gather here and those who are gathered at Yamhill Christian this morning. We pray for the gospel truth to ring loud and true throughout our region. We pray and trust that you can do exceedingly greater things than we can even pray. So we ask, Lord, that your will be done here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you are able, uh, would you stand for the reading of the infallible, inerrant word of God from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, beginning in verse 9. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is God's word. Y'all may be seated. What does it mean to be a witness? In a court of law, it means to give a truthful account of events that you have personally, intimately observed or experienced. For the Christian, the, ter the term witness is much, much fuller. It means that concerning Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, having personally experienced its power, you defend the truth. You would defend the truth even to your own harm, even unto death. The term witness in the Greek is martus, where we get the term martyr. In our passage this morning, we will notice a crowd gathered for the Passover. We will see a crowd within the crowd, and that crowd within the crowd is heralding the truth about Jesus of Nazareth. We see a crowd within the crowd believing Jesus has done great signs and wonders. 
And finally, a crowd within the crowd that desires that Jesus and his followers be silenced. Christians are called to be in the world, to be part of the crowd. And at the same time, Christians are called to stand out from the crowd, to have a unique voice, to have a worldview that is distinctly other than the crowd. What is unique about the crowd of Christians among the crowd that we live and work in is that we bear a unique witness to the Son of God and testify to His otherness, His superiority. And so simultaneously we declare that He was sent by God to be one of us. We need to be a unique crowd. A unique member of the crowd. And as, as, a, as a unit of Christians, as a, as a church, right, we are, we are our own crowd. We're our own crowd. And in our own crowd, we should be united in that truth of who Jesus is, his life, his death, his resurrection. Well, let's look closely, closer at verses 9 through 11 of chapter 12. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So a large crowd made up of believing Jews, chief priests, and those who desired to see evidence of Jesus' power to raise Lazarus from the dead. The evidence of the resurrection power of Jesus was causing Jews to believe in Jesus. This is kind of an incredible thing, right? That Jesus has resurrection power and these Jews are starting to believe in Jesus. So the chief priests designed uh, not only to kill Jesus, but, but they desire to rid themselves of the evidence and, and call for Lazarus death as well. If we kill Lazarus, you see, there's no evidence that Jesus has resurrection power. In the crowd of humanity, who, uh, who are you? That is our question this morning. In the crowd that we are involved in, who are we? Are we like one of them that is an observer looking for signs and miracles? Are we so desirous of self-directed moral independence that we deny the truth of the scriptures? Or are, are we one whom Jesus has called from the crowd and by grace he has given us faith to believe? Those are kind of the three folks that are there. Three types of people. Verse 12, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So as Jesus is coming to Jerusalem, this pilgrimage uh, uh, at, at Passover is estimated to have drawn 2,700,000 people, not including unclean foreigners, right? 2,700,000 people are coming on this pilgrimage to the Passover. And like the Feast of Tabernacles at the time of the Passover, they would sing what is called the Hallel from uh, Psalm 113 through 118. At the culmination of, of the singing of the Hallel was uh, Psalm 118, specifically verses uh, 25 and 26. It, it reads this, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. As this was sung, every male who had made this pilgrimage to the feast, uh, they would shake these uh, a willow and myrtle twigs uh, tied with palm in their right hand. So they're shaking this. And then in their left, they would raise up a piece of citrus fruit uh, that would signify the ingathered harvest. And they would all shout at the end, give thanks to the Lord. And they would do this three times. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. This type of celebration was so common, they often called the palms the Hosanna which is why we sang that song this morning, right? And why it's in the passage. Out of the 2,700,000 people crowd, uh, the witness to the resurrection power of Jesus, those who witness that, what do they do? They herald him as king. He is the one who saves. He is the one sent of God. See, for us, a Christian is a person who's been called out from the crowd. By the power of God's grace, the Christian has experienced the regenerative power of God in their own life. The Christian has experienced rebirth, a transformation from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The Christian has had life spoken to their dead soul and come alive in Christ Jesus. In other words, what has happened? They have become witnesses. They become witnesses, truth tellers to the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. The Christian has come alive. A credible Christian witness speaks forth the truth about who Jesus is. God has made the born again Christian a herald, one who gives forth good news. A herald is an, an official messenger an official messenger of news from the king. As a herald of Christ, the Christian is a messenger of God who brings good news to uh, the crowd of humanity, wherever we find ourselves at. Many of us who call ourselves Christians today sound more like a herald or an official messenger of maybe Fox News. Maybe we sound a little bit like the Republican National Committee. Maybe we sound like the social justice movements of our day. Rather than sounding the witness as a messenger of God's good news that Jesus Christ is the king of the world. That's good news, brothers and sisters. That's what we herald. It's something totally different than Fox News. It is uh, antithetical almost to the social justice movement. It's pale. It's pale. We declare good news to the crowd that Jesus Christ is the king of the world and he rules and he reigns from above. He is the king who is superior to any of our political ideologies. He is the superior king who executes the justice of God. Many Christians today, I think, sound like the crowd. I ask that maybe we ought to just examine our message. Maybe we ought to examine, do we love the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we love that good news? 
Do we really love the good news? Has the good news really captured us? Like overtaken us? I think if it, what, what you're overtaken by would be what comes out of you. We talked about that a little bit this morning in our, in our Sunday school class about how if we're, if we're saturated in the word of God and then pressure comes, what happens? What comes out of you? The word of God. If, if we are so enamored with the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us, his death, what it means, if we understand the depths of our own depravity, maybe we don't understand that. Maybe we don't understand that. Maybe we ought to do some self-examination and understand the depths of just how depraved our sinful nature is. Then we might examine this great gift of God sending Jesus Christ as an atonement for our sin. That, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that we uh, plead our cause and plead our case before God, knowing our wretchedness, saying, but God sent his son Jesus for me. As I said last week, he is my one defense. He is our one defense. If we want to declare our own righteousness, you're undone, brothers and sisters. Don't go there. Don't uh, start to uh, spell to God all the good things you've done this week, this month, what the good uh, things you've done to your neighbor, your brother. Don't go to God with those things. The Word of God tells you that those things are like filthy rags. We need to come to God and say, but Jesus, but Jesus, I come pleading him. I plead his blood. Now, if that captures us, if that really is captures us, that's our message, right? That's the message that comes out in the crowd with a bunch of noise. Isn't the crowd noisy? I don't know about your lives, but my life is noisy. It is super noisy. You're hearing voices and opinions everywhere you go, and they're all messed up, and they don't seem to, like, jive together at all, right? And now it's like, now it is, whatever is your truth, brother, you just hang on to that, man. Well, that seems idiotic, doesn't it? I mean, in reality, doesn't that seem really rather dumb? Because if I can hold on to my own truth, right, and I have to lovingly say that, that Jim Ambrose has his own truth, and it's totally opposite to mine, but those two things exist at the same time, it's idiotic. It's just stupid. I hate to say that, but it really is. It's just sort of dumb. But we have the truth. We have the message of Jesus Christ. We bear witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in our own life, in the crowd. Are we heralding this good news to a world that's confused? The whole world around us is confused by the volume of messages, isn't it? They're, they're just, they are confused. But there's these messages and they're all coming in and, 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 and they either incompletely or falsely claim that this is the truth. And we have the truth. We need to announce that truth. And the truth is all about Jesus. It's so simple, yet we don't do it, I think. It's so simple. Ugh, let's move forward. 
So they took the branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. The uh, witnesses of the resurrection power of Jesus announced this, Save us, O God. Here comes the one sent of the Lord, the king who will rule and reign over Israel. And we should notice that Jesus rides not into town on a war horse as you would expect a conquering king to come on a war horse. Jesus comes lowly, riding on a donkey. This would make us think, what kind of king is this? What kind of king is this? By riding on a donkey rather than a war horse, Jesus announces this, my kingdom will not be according to your political or national aspirations. You are looking for a nationalistic leader coming on a war horse. My kingdom will not be according to your aspirations. They will not be according to your political ambitions. The kingdom of Christ is far superior to the kingdoms of the world, he declares by coming in on a donkey. Jesus is the king who brings peace between God and man. We should note that uh, that which is heralded by the witnesses about the nature of the king they proclaim is according to the scriptures. They proclaim, here's Jesus coming on a young donkey, just as it's written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Verse 15 is more fully fleshed out by looking at the Old Testament uh, quoted here in Zechariah 9. So I'm going to turn there to Zechariah 9 and verse 9 through 11. If you want to turn there with me. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous. And having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit to tell the king who has come if we are to tell who he is it must rightly come from the scriptures for the king to come according to the people's nationalistic political aspirations the king would come as a warrior and he would come on a war horse this of course would have whipped the crowd up into a frenzy would it not their political aspirations, if here's this king and he's coming in on a war horse, it would have whipped them up. But Jesus comes gentle as a gentle king on a donkey, and he's signifying something in that too, that I come to bring peace between God and man. He comes signifying peace and to associate Jesus 
with the cessation of war. The gentle king is associated with a proclamation of peace not only as it pertains to Israel, but that that promise comes to the king's reign and that it would extend to the ends of the earth. See, he comes here and he says, to the ends of the whole earth, I am the king of peace. The coming of the gentle king, according to the scriptures, is, so, is associated with the blood of the covenant, notice in that passage. A covenant that sets the captives free, it says. And his peaceful entry points toward the Passover, the death of the servant king whose, whose shed blood would become the forever covenant of God's reign. And this would happen in our passage in just a few short days. As an authorized messenger of God's good news, Christians, we must proclaim the king according to the scriptures. We tell the world of King Jesus, but the king according to God's word, not the king according to our sentiments or even compromising by declaring a king according to the sentiments of others. You see, friends, if we proclaim the king of God's gospel in a way inconsistent with the scriptures, what have we done? What have we done? We have vaccinated people from receiving the true gospel. And indeed, what we've done is not delivered to them good news at all. When we proclaim the gospel according to the scriptures, we bear a true witness. We preach the gospel of the king that brings peace. But we must also first proclaim that the natural man is at enmity with God. That God is the creator and that God is the right judge. That his justice is pure and it is perfect. The guilty cannot go without punishment or God is no longer God. Secondly, we preach the gospel according to the scriptures when we proclaim the good news of the king who has come bringing peace. We must acknowledge man's guilt before holy God. The good news is not good news until we know just how bad the bad news is. That everyone who has not received Jesus uh, as king and as Lord is deserving of the wrath of God. Only now is the announcement that Jesus is the king who has come to bring peace between God and man. And that is good news according to the scriptures. We can boldly proclaim Jesus Christ as king. That Jesus, who was born of man by the will of the Father and the Holy Spirit, lived out his humanity according to God's will and according to God's word perfectly. That this Jesus' obedience to the Father did never, ever waver, even to the point of death on a cross. Jesus spilled blood as the covenant of peace declared by God according to the scriptures. We announce the kingdom of God to dead souls according to the scriptures that can cut through the bone and the marrow to make one alive to salvation. There is one thing, but one thing that man must do. One thing that man must do that is to repent and believe the gospel. It's just like we talked about yesterday at, at Barbara's service. The only thing separating the crowd of people that may have been gathered here, I don't know how, where everybody was as far as faith goes, but in that crowd, I would suspect there were some unbelievers. And the only thing that separated them 
from one day experience, the, experiencing the graduation ceremony in heaven with the Lord Jesus. It's not a whole pile of laundry list of sins that they might have brought. It's one. It's one thing. Unbelief. You must have faith. You must turn from those sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one thing. It's faith. God's pretty good at cleaning up all the other stuff. Okay? You know, I know people who have said, well, I can't come to Christ until I clean up my life. I can't come to Christ until I do all, put all these things in order. I don't know. I've always used this thing. It's a little, it's a little uh, sketchy, but, you know, you don't go and clean the fish before you put them in the boat. Right? You catch them. You reel them in. You put them in the boat and then you clean them. Right? Well, God does the cleaning up of us if we come to him in faith. If we repent and say, God, I don't have faith. Give me faith. Lord, give me faith. I think that's a prayer that God will always honor. God will always honor that prayer. Give me faith, Lord. Give me faith. And then trust him. Trust God. Trust his Holy Spirit to clean us up. To clean the fish. Just get in the boat, will you? That's all I'm saying. Tell them to get in the boat. Get in the boat. Turn from your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must believe that Jesus is the King of Peace. And here's the problem. If, if, if the world and the crowd rejects him, they receive in themselves the justice of God that is due their own rebellion. So, we proclaim the good news. We proclaim that the king has come. And I would ask us to make sure that as we invite people to come to, to maybe our resurrection day service and we, we want them to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and that, 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 that the king that, that we call uh, Jesus uh, is risen and that there's life in him. Uh, I want us to make sure that, that we ask them this question, are you at peace with God? Do you have peace with God? If you say no, well, right where you're at, right where the person stands, tell them the good news. Tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. And notice the response to the coming king, and there's a different kind of crowd. There's, two, there's all kinds of responses to the king. Verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard that he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the entire world has gone after him. The announcement of Jesus as king and the Lord has at its desire a response. Repentance and faith are the desired response of the good witness of Jesus Christ. How do we define success in our proclamation of the gospel? The successful witness to the gospel tells the truth about Jesus according to the scripture and by living the truth out, having received it in themselves. 
the response to the gospel is out of our hands. We know this because we ourselves were once dead in our own trespasses and sins. And we were unable to respond to the gospel until God himself made us alive to the truth of the scriptures. It's by grace you have been saved. It is the gift of God that no one may boast. You should notice in our passage that the disciples, they don't understand these things until Jesus is crucified and he's dead and he's buried and he's risen. The crowd that witnessed the resurrection power of Jesus continued to tell the truth. Jesus of Nazareth is the king who has power over death to bring peace to all who would believe. Some have come merely hoping to see some miraculous signs. And the Pharisees say, the world has gone after him. The crowd that claims Jesus as king of Israel has a broader sweep of humanity that, that, that will enjoy Christ's reign over God's people. The word uh, world in John's gospel commonly means people everywhere without distinction who are lost, who are in rebellion to God. The Pharisees mean that all of those who have made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem for Passover are going to follow him. The resolve of the council, council to deny the evidence and execute Jesus for blasphemy, they think, um, is the only way to stop him. So the religious leaders of the day respond to the true witness of God concerning his Christ is this. Deny, 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 and destroy the evidence. Not even, not even death could destroy the gospel, though. Not even death could, could destroy it. It actually fulfilled it. God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus has brought peace for the repentant believer. This is our claim that the king has come. His name is Jesus. As a church, let us live that truth out, that Jesus Christ is the king and he is the Lord. Let the aim of our witness to be clear, to declare Jesus as king at our work, at our school, and in our marketplace, wherever we go. This is our message. Jesus Christ is king.